0: Hey, good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play coming to you live today on, hell. Oh, what day of the week is it? Wednesday with the 4th of July. I, I don't know what day of the week it is. I'm just coming and going. I show up and I talk into the microphone when they tell me it's time to talk into the microphone. But we start off today's show with a call-in guest. We've got Coach Aaron Babbin on the line. So right out of the shoot, we're going to a local high school and talking to some football. Coach Babbin. good morning, man. How are you?
1: Good. How about you? Are you had a good four?
0: I did, man. How about you all? Did you have a good time with the family and all that good stuff?
1: Oh, absolutely! we were actually at the beach until uh, yesterday afternoon. We uh, we had a great time. A little great family outing with with the uh, we actually were with my in laws, sister in law, father in law, whole family, bunch of little kids running
0: around. A great time. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Look, man, it's a fun time of the year because you're close to the beginning of the year. But, it, you know, July is also a time where a lot of the coaches take, you know, that little last-minute trip or whatever it may be, kind of get out and escape. Because, you know, it's the calm before the storm and things are really about to rev up. What's July going to look like over at South Terrebonne?
1: You know, July for us, uh, just like you're talking about July, is kind of that weird month where, you, where you're,
0: you're trapped
1: for the season pretty much and, and you're getting those last things in, but you got to wrap up summer. you got to wait, you know, for the, your official start date. Um, you know, the kids down here at South Terrebonne, uh they, they're off all week uh, for football. Um, then we get back next week and, and we, we get back rolling um, as much as we can get done, you know, heading into fall camp. Uh, so, you know, wrapping up our summer lifting, getting those final numbers, pushing us into the end season lifts and, and getting ready to rock and roll for, you know, a physical football season.
0: Tell us about the summer and the off season and everything. I know the last time we had you on, you said you were super excited. And look, we had Stan Gravois on. Oh, um, it wasn't last time. So it was two times ago, you know, two weeks ago when we had him on. He said, you guys had just scrimmaged HL Bourgeois, or not scrimmage, but like got a little, you know, dual practice time with HL Bourgeois. And, you know, he said that the one word he would describe it is is different. He said the energy is different. The pace is different. And he said it may be different in a good way, but things are looking pretty strong. How's the summer and the off season been?
1: No, oh, it, it, it's been really good. I mean, what we're asking, uh, you know, our football players to do, they're responding to. Uh, you know, I think right now if you ask them individually and they, and they you know, uh, retroactively looked at what they were like, you know, prior to spring and then where they're at now, I, I'd be very confident that 100% of them are going to say that they're better football players. Um, and, and, you know, that's what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to maximize their potential uh, with that. You know, I think the weight room's going great um we we've done some things we did we went with HL last week like you talked about we did that with Patterson then we did a little uh 7 on 7 tournament uh the week before that at Terrebonne. and what we're seeing is progress you know in the scheme changes on both the offensive and defensive side of the football um you know not perfect uh far from it but we see progress we see progress being made we see um you know the mistakes of last week are no longer the mistakes not that they don't pop up every now and then but they're not as often And that's a big thing you're looking for in your offseason is just getting better to where you're you're primed and ready for the season
0: we're going to talk about your offense in just a second but one area that really plagued south Terrebonne last year and having a you know kind of a season that that they're not used to having was the de- defense they didn't play very good defense last year and this is a school that is prideful and usually, you know, in years past in the, you know, the heyday had tremendous defenses, but last year giving up 30, 40, and even fifty points at times. How have those guys been in the offseason to try to, you know, remedy some of those mistakes of the past?
1: Well, I think um, you know, from from an administrative standpoint, I, I was very fortunate um, to be able to hire a uh, Coach Bill Hawkins. Um, he's been around the area, he's been at Tabakouch and uh Deshaan. He's coming in as a defensive coordinator, running a three three five. Uh, defense which is a schematic change for them uh you look at that and you know when, when me and him both looked at you know last year's film and, and sat down and studied it as coaches with you know returning players uh you know we decided to to you know go back to the basics and, and that's where we're starting at we're starting with fundamentals you know uh everything from you know proper stances for everybody on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball but focusing on the defensive side of the ball you know fundamentals how do we need to get off? What's our technique? How, how do we play this? What's our gap responsibility? How do we want to tackle? How do we want to block the struck? Who's running alleys? Who has fill? Who's contained? Who's bent? You know, all those things, you know, that uh, makes the defense work. So, you know, we, because we're new, uh, we went about it in a way of saying, you know, we're going to teach it from, from the base up, you know, what's an A-gap, what's B-gap what's you know, the head-up technique, what's the inside-outside technique, how they play that, and then you work off of that, what's our linebacker footwork, uh, all those things, and, and then how do we play play the run game from the secondary, and then how do we read it out in order to better defend the pass.
0: Very good. And on, on the other side, you know, earlier in the offseason we had John on, I asked you about your quarterback position. You said, hey, look, man, I've got a handful of guys that are going to be competing. So how's that competition look so far? And then do you have like a – an internal, you know, timeline as to when you guys really want to hone in on, you know, one or two guys there?
1: Yeah, you know, I think at, at this point, you know, kind of getting down to two guys right here. We got we got Austin Champagne, who's going to be a senior, um, you know, with, with that. And then we have a sophomore, uh, Trey Pino, uh, that I think both of them are, are progressing well, you know, uh, and saying that, you know, they're both, uh, of course, they weren't the starters last year with Christian here. But, you know, both new systems, both progressing, but both with kind of two different skill sets. So it makes it interesting uh, in doing that. You know, you, you run 7-on-7 seven seven plays and, and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, you use 7-on-7 seven seven in the summer to figure out what you're good at, what you're not. But in, in something like that where you have a quarterback competition, and it's always been this way with quarterback competition, you know, I want to call this for him because I think he does this better and so on and some, so forth, and sometimes you're right and sometimes, you know, you get into a situation where you go with maybe a play you thought better than the other one, but he just executes it, uh, better than you ever could have expected. So it's been a nice, uh, surprise with both of them, uh, in their progress, uh, throughout. And, and it's, and for them, it's kind of similar to what I was talking about on defense. It's fundamentals, you know, uh, you know, traditionally, South Carolina has been a wing team under center, which is not, uh, what we're doing anymore. So, you know, you got to pick, you know, How's footwork, where do you stand, how do you stand, you know, and these kinds of things. And, you know, through the spring, you know, those things were things we talked about, but they've really got that. Now we're progressing, you know, further and further into the offense, and and you're really seeing how it can take shape.
0: So tell us a little bit about your philosophy regarding that. Is it a situation where ideally you would pick one, or is it, you know, kind of what you said a minute ago, you're open to maybe mixing and matching and using certain guys and, you know, maybe having a, a couple of weapons that you use on Friday nights?
1: I I would probably say my, my overall philosophy, uh, you know, there's a lot of adages, uh in, in football on what you should do. You know, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have none. I, I don't believe in that. I think it's going in with the game plan. If it's two, uh, they give us the best chance to win, and that's what we got to do. Uh, you know, and putting, you know, quarterbacks, just like any other player on the field, in the best position to succeed. So, you know, this, this battle will probably, uh, to me, rage on, you know probably at least into week one based on who who's moving the football better who gives us the best chance to win if it's one of them because they wind up stepping up head and shoulders then we go with one but if you know one of them does this better than the other one and that's something that we think going to make the offense score points, then uh you know we will use to
0: coach i know that you're familiar with this because you've been at vanderbilt and they are so proficient and have been so good at this in recent years the kicking game you know you know, it, how much of a luxury is it at the high school level to be able to steal, you know, a 37-yard field goal and get points on the board or to be able to flip the field with a, you know, 35-, 40-yard punt or whatever it may be. Vanderbilt, you guys are tremendous at that year in and year out. What do you have specialist-wise in terms of your kicking, your punting over at South Terrebonne?
1: You know, when we start looking at kickers, we, we haven't gotten into that. That's actually one of the things we're starting next week where we're going to, you know – pretty much open tryouts for anybody on the football team who thinks they can kick, who thinks they can punt, who thinks they can return kicks, who, and, and really start to get a look at that as we started to go into fall camp when we get that third phase of the game uh, really installed. You know, my philosophy going into it with the two major scheme changes on offense and defense. Uh, we decided, you know, that's what we we're going to focus on through spring and through June, uh, you know, see what we can get in, what do we do good, uh, you know, with it also kind of June being seven-on-seven seven season. Um, so for us, the plan's always been is when we came back after our fourth of July break is that we're going to get into special teams. You know, we're going to do a lot of specialty work, you know, snappers, punters, kickers, uh, return specialists. Okay, let's start looking at those things. And then as that solidifies, <clears throat> you know, what kind of special team schemes helps us with that? You know, are we a rugby style? Are we more traditional? Do we have a, a rugby style talking punt? traditional, you know, and then looking at kick coverage, you know, hopefully – Um, with some of the soccer success they've had here hopefully we've got a kid that can boom it in the end zone but if not then you know what kind of coverage units we need to look at and then uh, you know returning wise you know how do we flip the field you know because in special teams being a third of the game the big thing is, is can you swing momentum you know you just talked about it you know whether it's a 40 yard field goal but you, you kind of know if you could do that beforehand, but if you got a if you got a punter in high school football that could boom the ball forty yards, a directional kick this, and start pinning people and flipping field position after a third a, th- a failure on a third down conversion, that's where the kicking game becomes big.
0: No doubt about that, man. I agree hundred percent. Let's talk a little bit about you know the first month of your season, or really the first couple weeks of your season. You're playing Terrebonne, McDonough, 35, and Hammond before you get into district play and. Look, I was talking on yesterday's show, which is that I really believe one of the most intriguing things about this upcoming high school season is that we have so many teams in our area because I think our districts are going to be loaded up. We have so many teams in our area that are going to have to get off the strong starts, you know, kind of build a little bit of a PowerPoint nest egg to try to get rolling. Coach, those first three games, that's some big opportunities. You got Terrebonne, which is a 5A school, Hammond, which is a 5A school, then McDonough 35, which is a school that's likely going to win a bunch of games. Uh, that those first three games right out of the chute, you guys have a great opportunity to position yourself really nicely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, when you start looking at the schedule, you know, you talk about starting off with Terrebonne, who, um, you know, last year their football season wasn't what they wanted. uh, You know, coming after Hurricane Ida, but uh, you know, classically, you look the last decade, you know, they've been a playoff playoff-bound team. You, you talk about five eighteen, 5 team, so that's big. But then also it's an in-parish rivalry. You know, you play them every year. These kids grow up together. They play TPR ball. You know, uh, it's not like how it was 20, 30 years ago. All the kids know each other. So, so you know, that you've got that all built in. Um, so, you know, you start with that. Um, that's an away game at Terrebonne. Um, I, and I say away, you know, it's not really that far of a road trip for us. But, you know, you get that started. Then for us, we we go on a nice little three-game three homestand. So I think it, it's a great possible start to the season. You look at it, McDonough um, 35, classic playoff team, um, and then, you know, Hammond, a 5A school right there where, where you get those extra uh, power points uh, playing them. You, I mean, you're exactly right. You've got an opportunity, you know, not just only to win, but to set us up for a great season coming after, um, you know, if we're able to, you know, finish out the summer strong, and then have a great fall camp, and just be ready for some, some big time football early in the season,
0: Coach. I know that there, this is an interesting time within the association. There's all this mumbo jumbo and drama about, you know, uh, magnet schools and open enrollment schools, and all these different things. Like the select side of things has way more schools than it what it used to have. What are your thoughts as you're seeing all of this unfold, man? Because I know that everybody's kind of got. Uh, you know, a thought or a mindset on what's happening. What are your thoughts as you're watching all this take place?
1: I mean, to me, it, it, it's super interesting because when they had that vote back in May, I thought they were going to vote on the one that pretty much was going to keep it the same. I, I really thought they were going to stay status quo. Um, when you look at it and then with the vote and what's happening and they have the appeals going on. So that'll be interesting to see w- w- what winds up going down with that. But, um, you know, in looking at it, you know, I'm a guy, like you, you mentioned, I, I'm previously from, from Vanderbilt the last few years, so I was in the private school. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because the question is where does it go, uh, you know, and, and what is it about? And I think we have to step back to 2012 when the, the original split happened. What was the purpose of it um, in that? And, and I believe the purpose of, based on, on, on remembering back, was – It was an idea to try to uh, pass some equity across when you start talking about some of these things with open enrollment districts. And and at the time, you know, it was the select schools saying, you know, that they had an advantage, which now that we start to look at it, as the split's been here now for for going on, I think this is the ninth season, um, you started to see kind of the same thing that was going on before, which is it was the same teams over and over again that you were seeing. So I think it was an attempt, in my opinion, to try to maybe bring some more parity into it um, with that. So I think it's going to be interesting because I, I still am trying to figure out what the appeals are going to be and how those are going to fall. Uh, and and then from there, you know, for me at South Tarabone High School, you know, I, I tell my guys all the time, guys, there's going to be a football game on Friday. It doesn't matter who it is. We're going to line up. We're going to play. We're going to play South Tarabone football uh, no matter who it is because they'll be dressed in a different color jersey, and, and, and that's the, that's the team that we're going to compete against, and, and we're, we're trying to beat and get that victory for on Friday night.
0: Aaron, I have heard so many coaches in our area say that basically what they think is happening is – the association's just trying to muddy the waters up as much as they can and basically anger everybody to the point of saying, you know what, to hell with all this, let's just get back together. Do you think that's what's gonna end up happening here in January?
1: I on that part, you know, um I've been so bogged down, you know, at South Cheruball. When I say bogged down, I don't mean that negatively, you sure. know, just being first time head coach and, and all those things. Uh, you know, I've heard that I've heard that. that's an and an, an option of what can happen, I I would love to see it get back together. Because to me, it just was Louisiana football at its finest at that point. And I know there were problems because, let's face it, we're all humans and we got humans involved. So nothing's ever perfect and that's, nothing's ever perfectly fair. So... To say that it's going to go back, I think, would be interesting, but I don't see that. I don't think that it'll come back to where it's just five classifications playing football or any sport across the board, although most of them are split, but you still have a few that are not split. Um, I don't see that because I think what wound up happening is, although I talked about you know same teams having success over and over again every year, uh, in that you had a few schools that started to have success, more success. So when you, when you look at that, I I just think it's going to be hard in that January vote to get all of them on board together with some of the failures, like last year's uh, failure in January when the 5A tried to get back together. And I had actually heard that that was a big shot, that they actually thought 5A was going to get together. And it failed pretty – it wasn't even close to failure in the vote there. So, you know um, – I don't. I really don't think it's going to get back together, in my opinion. But that's just me, you know, talking to other coaches and, and my personal opinion on it.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Well, look, brother, we thank you so much for the time. We'll chat again soon. Keep up the good work, okay, buddy? Thank you, sir. Yep, that is Coach Aaron Babin with South Terrebonne doing an excellent job. He's, you could tell. You're right. You know, and Stan talked about this, and we mentioned it early in the interview. It, it's different, right? But different isn't necessarily always a bad thing. I think that the the refreshed energy, the new energy. And it just has a different vibe and a different feel. They're going to be running a new offense. They're going to have a new system in place. And I think it's going to be good for the kids, man, because look, they won one game last year, you know, so you got to be willing to change. You got to be willing to adapt and evolve. And I think that that, you know, those changes that are coming into that program are going to be good. Coach Babbin's a good coach. It's going to bring a little fire and a little passion to that program. And I think it's much needed. It's play by play here. Let's give a rundown of the show. Then we'll catch our first break. We're going to talk a little high school sports in the next segment of the show. Then we'll go to Chris Dugat Noon. We've got Taylor Griffin at 1230. We've got our mailbag. Or, excuse me, we've got Taylor Griffin at 1215. We've got our mailbag at 1230. We've got our picks at the bottom of the show. We want to thank the Blue Boot Rodeo. The 2022 Blue Boot Rodeo will be held July 7th through 9th at the Grand Dow Marina, located at 158 Sand Dollar Court at the Tarpon Pavilion. also want to thank Southland Dodge and Homa Industrial Power Systems for all your engine and generator needs because power is our middle name. New friend building materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Want to thank Buzz Off, the only all-natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. And then also Golden Motors, where price is priority. Proudly supporting South Lafouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. Let's catch a break when we get back. Talk a little high school sports. Maybe even dabble into some college and pro in the next segment. It's play-by-play by, play by play on KLEB. We'll be
2: right back after this.
4: Yep, it's that time of year. Blue Boot Rodeo, July 7, 8, and night in Grand Isle, Louisiana. This rodeo is to promote water safety and drowning prevention. This year's activities for the rodeo on Friday, we have DJ Frozen. We also have a cornhole tournament, followed by shorts in December. Saturday, we have bingo and mimosas, DJ Frozen again. Rough and ready, we have our awards, a live auction. And closing it out, we have Junior Lacrosse from eight to eleven. That's the Blue Boot Rodeo coming this July 7, 8, and nine in Grand Isle, Louisiana.
5: Pesky mosquitoes, gnats, and all kinds of South Louisiana bugs taking over your yard? Have no fear. Buzz Off is here to save your summer. Buzz Off is the only locally owned pest control company focusing on your outdoor living space. They use 100% organic ingredients, safe to all humans and pets. Check us out on Facebook or book your appointment today at buzzoffnow.com. Need our cedar beaters now? Call 985 333 89 today to take your lawn back. Buzz off mosquito control. Safe, effective, guaranteed.
3: You know WeatherBug users when you see them. The umbrellas before the storm. The scarves before the blizzard. The flip-flops before the heat wave. The prepared few. Well, not so few. Over 10 million people use the WeatherBug app for hyper-local weather reports and real-time updates that prepare you for whatever happens next. With more free map layers than any other weather app, WeatherBug sees the unforeseen to protect you from the unpredictable. Download the WeatherBug app today for free.
0: Welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Wednesday. We've got our mailbag segment later in the show. We're looking forward to getting your questions answered. We've got Chris Duga in the next segment, then Taylor Griffin after that. And tomorrow is another Mount Rushmore. We've got Central Lafouche High School's Mount Rushmore coming up tomorrow. Um, in doing a little research and trying to figure out you know, where we're going to go there, there are a lot of different options. I think that there are two that are obvious and I'm not going to spoil who they are you got to wait till tomorrow but I think two of the four are absolutely obvious like you know give us your press credentials if you leave these two out uh, kind of bad I think there are two that stand head and shoulders above um all the rest but there you know there are a lot of others to choose from and the thing about central lafouche is that they've been <clears throat> let's be honest, South Lafourche was very football heavy, right? Because it's a school that predominantly a ton of their athletic success has been football. They've had success in other sports, right? But, you know, the, the big state championship winning teams and, you know, uh, guys going off to the NFL and whatever it may be, a lot of the quote-unquote famous athletes down the Bayou were football players. So that made it a little football top heavy. Central Lafourche is a little different. They've sent off a lot of folks to the next level in various things. They've had a lot of track athletes. you know. They've had good golf teams and good soccer teams and whatever it may be. So that complicates it a little bit. That makes it a little bit more difficult to try to figure out. Um, but by tomorrow, we'll finalize our list. But I do think that there are two, I'll even give you a hint, a football player and a basketball player that stand head and shoulders above everyone else. Um we had a great time talking with Aaron Babin in the last segment of the show. Um, it's going to be fun this upcoming high school season to see how a lot of these first-year coaches shake out, right? You know, you go around the area. Central Fuja's has Coach Vedros. He's a first-year guy there. Not first-year guy at the school, but a first-year head coach. Um, then you go around the area. South Terrebonne has Coach Babin. It's his first season. He's going to be bringing some change. It's going to be weird. The first snap of the game, to not see South Terbone you know, in a closed up wing T formation where, you know, there's a wing back going and you know, we're not going to see that. They're going to be in the shotgun running. Basically what everybody else runs, you know, the kind of evolving that offense. That'll be fun to check out. Um, Terrebonne, first year head coach, Tyler Lewis coming in again. It's going to be different to go to a Terrebonne game and not see Gary on the sidelines, you know, being very animated and, you know, Gary coached Tard, man. We love him. We have him on the Saturday show this past Saturday. <clears throat> great coach and great dude, but man, he would, he would deposit some energy at times, you know, you know, coaching very hard, sometimes getting on the officials and whatever it may be, it's going to be a different vibe with Tyler Lewis. I want to see what he's going to bring to the table. Very young dude. Um, how is he going to be able to handle that locker room? How's he going to be able to handle that program throughout the course of the season? Homa Christian, first year guy, same situation. Assumption, first year guy. You know, Assumption's kind of the, the the wild card every year, right? Because they've been so very good in football the last several seasons. You know, we always enter the season and in foray, our instincts are to say, oh, look out for South Terrebonne, look out for, you know, South Lafouche, look out for Vanderbilt. You know, hey, Ellender's got athletes. And then we always forget about. Our neighbors to the north, Assumption, who always, well not always, but most of the time, end up standing above the rest. They had a run there where they were winning multiple district championships in a row. Now they've got Coach Will Broussard in over there. Again, first-year head coach. He's a defensive-minded guy. Comes from South Lafouche where he was the defensive coordinator. How's Coach Broussard going to handle making that leap? It's going to be very interesting to see. I think our 4A district is going to be fascinating. And, and I, hell, I think all of our districts are going to be fascinating. But I already told you, I think that 5A, they are going to be a lot of teams that are going to be much improved from, from last year. And then in 3A, you got E.D. White, who like looks like they would be the favorite. But how are they going to handle that bullseye and those expectations of, like, hey, you guys are the dudes that made it to the championship game last year. We're going and gunning for you. They were the Hunters last year. They were the underdogs. They made it into the playoffs as the number one overall seed in the Division II bracket. And not a damn person in the entire state of Louisiana thought that they even had a snowball's chance in hell of making it to the championship game. I remember being there whenever they played St. Thomas Moore, which was the five seed. <laughs> and everybody widely thought you know, that St. Thomas Moore was the heavy favorite in that game because Oh my goodness, they've got Walker Howard, they've got the LSU signed in. I remember it being a shock to a lot of people that E.D. White kind of controlled that game, kind of dominated that game. Then they make it to the championship game, and it's the same thing. Like, oh, University Lab's going to wipe the floor with E.D. White. You know, they just dominated Vanderbilt the week before, 45-14. to 14. This is going to be a blowout. I remember standing in the parking lot in Lafayette and having people... Wearing E.D. White clothing, telling me, you know, hey, man, we'd just be lucky to stay close. You know, we want to be competitive. We want it to be a close game in the fourth quarter. And they did better than that. They had a chance to win it at the end. They fall 14-7. to Like, E.D. White was legitimately one of the best teams in the entire state last year any classification. Because University Lab was excellent. They were fantastic. And you you ran stride for stride with them for the entire four quarters last year. And had a chance to win at the end. So, how you know they were the, the the hunters last year? They were kind of creeping up on people. You ain't creeping up on any anybody anymore. Now they're going to have to play as the lead dog, and I think they're capable of doing it. Right? You know, I'm not trying to say that they're not capable. They're more than capable. But it's going to be a different role and a different set of expectations. And I'm curious to see how Kyle and his crew handle that. Whoa, oh, I can't wait. I'm getting fired up, man. Cannot wait. It's July sixth. We are getting close, and I cannot wait to see where this all heads in the next couple of weeks. Let's catch a break here and Play by Play. When we get back, we're going to start our 12 o'clock hour with Chris Dugat of Thibodeau High School. Then we'll go to the Turtle after that. It's Play by Play on Kaylee B. We will be right back after this quick commercial timeout.
5: Make this the summer event at Southland Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups so and their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right ones should be easy. Get more for your business with a new Ram trucker van at Southland Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow.
7: We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the do-friend difference.
8: Make this the summer event at
5: Southland Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups or their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right ones should be easy. Get more for your business with a new Ram trucker van at Southland Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow
0: welcome back to play-by-play Play. we've been talking high school football for the last 30 minutes or so heck let's make it 15 more we're going to the phone lines with Thibodeau football coach coach Chris Duga. Who's on the line now? Coach, good afternoon, my friend. How are you?
9: How's it going, man? Great.
1: Great afternoon.
0: Absolutely, man. Happy to hear it. And we're doing just fine over here, brother. Um, It is a fun time. A little bit of a calm before the storm. You know, June is very seven-on-seven heavy, and the kids are going to camps and whatever it may be. July is a little bit slower traditionally, maybe a little more work in the weight room and, you know, doing some sprinting and getting in shape and everything. What's July look like over at Thibodeau High?
9: Well, like you said, it's those last couple of weeks uh, of the weight room. You know, uh, you're kind of winding down a little bit. You're gonna get to the end of July, and you're gonna start your, uh, you know, your helmets and shards practice. So, like I told the guys today, I told them when they left the weight room just a uh, just a few minutes ago, I said this is it. We got to get what we can out of it. We, uh, you know, we run in short on days, so we got to make sure we're here these last couple of days and grinding it out and getting the most we can out of it and trying to gain as strength as we can before the season starts because naturally when you start sweating in that heat and start pounding on each other, you know, the the time to gain strength is over. You can just try to maintain at that time. So we're trying to make as many gains as we can these last couple of weeks.
0: In, you know, the period of time from when you last played a down, which was, you know, whenever it was, you know, October, November, whenever the season ends, to now – have the guys gotten noticeably stronger? Have the guys made some big gains? Are you pleased with the progress that you've seen?
9: Yeah, I think we've had a really good summer. Uh, actually, we we're doing some of our, uh, our end of summer maxes this week because uh, next week we're off with the uh, with the two-day dead period. I just gave our kids off that week because we started Memorial Day week, and uh, we haven't stopped since then. And uh, The only day we took off was the 4th of July. we've been at it pretty hard so next week is our week off as far as lifting goes with the uh with the little dead period in the middle of the week so uh we're we're doing some maxes this week to kind of see where we're at they're looking pretty good right now I was kind of pleasantly surprised with uh a lot of the numbers we've been getting so uh I think it's definitely been a good summer and uh we're just trying to finish it out and and get those last few little gains here and there and try to uh you know, get get a little better off than what we were last year. It's been it's been really good, especially for our alignment. I'm I'm very pleased with the alignment numbers right now.
0: Yeah, so tell me about that. A couple of coaches have mentioned that. What's going on with that dead period? You know, that's a very college like thing. Like we hear that all the time. You know, oh he can't go recruit because it's a dead period or whatever. Now you guys are having a couple of days over the high school ranks. Is this new? And you know, what are your thoughts about that?
9: Well, years ago, I'm I'm kind of old enough to remember when we used to have a dead period the week of the coaching clinic, uh, and they kind of gotten rid of that uh, a few years back, and uh, they decided to bring it back now, which I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, I like the idea of giving a kid, you know, a break right before you're getting ready to get into that real, you know, intense period where you're gonna be doing a lot of pounding, a lot of sweating. So I think it's good. You know, I think a lot of families are, uh, you know, could plan their vacations that week and 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 do the summer vacation thing. We kind of told our kids at the beginning of the summer, look, this is going to be the dead week. If you've got a vacation plan, this is a really good week to do it. And uh, I think the kids talk to their parents, and, uh, you know, we're hearing from a lot of our kids that they're doing their, you know, little summer vacations next week, which is good. Gets them a little, you know, uh, a little fresh air, a you know, little little time away, and then come back and, and really get after it when we're we'll going to be starting the practices and when we come back.
0: You guys have an offense that I think is going to be really, really solid this upcoming year. As you talked about your lineman a minute ago. You've got a big home run hitter in the backfield. you got an experienced quarterback. And you've told us throughout the offseason that you got some other guys in addition to DeMarcus that you think could touch the ball and do some great things with it. Coach, you could be hitting opponents in a lot of different directions. And I know from watching your offenses in years past, that's the way that you want to play. You don't want to be dependent so heavily on one guy. You want to be kind of hitting them up, down, left, right. I'm sure you got to be happy with the weapons that you have at your disposal this coming year.
9: Absolutely. We had a, a really good spring offensively. And you kind of touched on it. The linemen are, are, are the backbone of an offense. You know, people don't realize that a lot. You know, and 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 in the past, our order, our offense and and it still is is very quarterback driven, but the linemen of the back moment when you got when you got a good offensive line, it makes a world of difference. You can do so many more things, and uh, you know, again, you touched on the weapons with Demarcus and and, and some of the other guys that we're going to have this year. The Marillo Holmes, uh, uh, we got a freshman uh, Kyron Falses that's going to be really good. Uh, you know, we got we got some guys who can touch the ball, Jalen Brown, and do some some great things with it, but it all starts with those guys up front, and you know, if you can get a solid run game, then you can do so much more in the play-action game, the RPO stuff, uh, and, and eventually take the shots down the field when you got time to protect, so uh, right now, I'm, I'm just thoroughly impressed with our offensive line, with their work ethic through the summer, I'm just hoping that that can continue at the level that we were at at the end of the spring, where it was there were those guys were playing at a pretty high level. So if we, we're we going to go as those guys go, and if uh you know we we are, I think we're going to be up front. I think we can be pretty special on
0: offense. Very good, coach. Let's talk a little bit about a phase that doesn't get talked about a whole lot, and that's the special teams. We had Coach Aaron Babbin on in, uh, earlier in the show, and he was saying, you know, hey. W- we're going to be testing out our kickers and our punters in the next couple weeks, and you know he said they spent the spring and, and the month of June installing, but he's a first-year guy. Um, but, man, you guys are in a situation where a lot of that install should have been in, and I know from talking to you in the past, you really focus on special teams, and you mentioned some of the things that Coach Frank Monica has told you and everything of the sort. How important is it at this level, Coach, to, you know, hey, have that guy who could make that 35-yard field goal and steal you three points, or that guy who could, you know, get that 35, 40-yard punt and flip the field or, you know, that return specialist who could take it from the two-yard line and take it to almost midfield and kind of flip field position there. It's a huge phase of the game. Do you think you guys are going to be solid at it in the upcoming year?
9: Absolutely. You know, uh, I just look back on some of the teams that we've had that have been good teams. We've always been pretty solid on special teams when you have those good teams. You look – you're talking about a return guy. Amik Robertson comes to mind right away. Yep. A lot of kickoffs, a lot of punch return, a lot of big plays that didn't take place on offense or defense in that third phase of the game that a lot of people don't spend a lot of time on, a lot of people don't talk about. Uh, We had a kicker a couple of years ago, Peyton Domain. I mean, he nails a 42-yard field goal to beat McDonough 35. Uh, He was the type of guy who kicked the ball in the end zone, so you were always driving 80 yards of the field. Uh, He could flip the field on punts. And I think we're going to have two guys that are going to be able to do that for us in the kicking game this year with uh, Dylan Albert and Zachary Hutchinson, two outstanding kickers. One's going to be a junior. One's going to be a sophomore. The, I mean, I've never had two kickers at one time before, so it's a luxury for us. And both those guys can also punt really well. Dylan was a was an all-district punter last year. So uh, we're excited about our kicking game. And then you add DeMarcus to that in the return game, and, and, and you got those three weapons, you know, the punter, the kicker, and the return specialist that can do some great things on Friday. And really changed outlook on some games.
0: Well, you answered the next question. I was, I was going to ask you if you guys were going to use Demarcus in the return game, but you just kind of spoiled that one for me, brother. That's going to be a big coup for your return game for sure.
9: Absolutely, he's just a guy that if you got to get touches in creative ways. You know, we may line him up uh, in the slot at running back. He may take a couple of snaps. Who knows where he's going to line up? And of course, he's going to be in that return game. We just got to focus on getting him those twenty to twenty-five touches a game in creative ways and getting him in space and i think he can do the rest
0: we've spoken about this a couple of times throughout the offseason but right away you guys are going to find out because you're playing lutcher so right away you're going to get a great idea of where your team stands and i know that there's still a whole lot of time that has to pass before that game almost two whole months but i'm sure that you know a big focus of your offseason and and, getting the kids ready is hey we better be ready to go week one because we've got a big test in week one. I'm sure there's a little extra oomph to your message knowing that that week one game is going to be a big one.
9: Yeah, you know, it, good football team, always a good football team, and one of the best players in the state of Louisiana coming back for Lutcher at uh, Winfield at quarterback. I mean, he's a he's a huge kid. He can, he can throw it. He can run it. He can do a lot of different things for you. So uh, it's going to be a big test for our defense early out to see where, you know, where we're at defensively. And we we feel good about our defense. A lot of guys coming back from last year uh, and really was the strong suit of our team last year. Uh, we, were, we were pretty good defensively. You know, for three quarters, it was 0-0 with Destrian, you know, and we just kind of ran out of gas in that fourth quarter and gave up a couple of punt returns. But uh, we feel good about our defense, and Lutcher will definitely be uh, – a big test for those guys coming straight out. I mean, it doesn't get any easier through the free district with South Foosh, St. James, and E.D. White. You know, four pre-district games that will definitely tell you where you are uh, going in the district play.
0: No doubt about that, brother. Look, I've already asked you about your thoughts on, you know, where the association, association is headed, and I know Thibodeau wants everything to be back together. But let's assume for a second that all the different things that have been put into play Are going to take shape. And, you know, all the magnet schools and charter schools and open enrollment schools are going to go off to the other side. Coach, do we still need to have 32 team playoff brackets on the public side if we do that? Because, man, you talk about watered down, you talk about first round blowouts and everything of the sort. I think that's where it would be headed if we wouldn't shorten up those brackets a little bit in the future.
9: Yeah, I could see, um, you know, possibly uh, them going down to 24 and the top eight teams having a bias. I think that's what soccer was doing for a while, you know, because they had, you know, not everybody had was fielding soccer teams and stuff like that from uh, from every school, and uh, I think they kind of condensed those brackets down to twenty four. So we may see that. I don't know what we're going to see. Uh, who knows with the executive committee? You never know. <laughs> this one, I mean, just the select non-select was a shocker to me when uh, when the definition was changed and they started moving these teams over. And I know there's some appeals that are going to take place in September. Some schools are going to appeal the decision. uh, And, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, it's still a big question mark. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in September when the executive committee meets again. And they really finalize what these brackets and what each division, you know, select and non-select is going to look like.
0: Chris, why don't they just let you guys decide this? It's a principal association. They say it all the time. Why do they have these little backdoor meetings and decide things without the principal's present? Why do they do that?
9: I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, I guess I'm not privy to all that information. <laughs> either. I'm a low man. I'm just a lowly football coach, a low man on the totem pole. And you know, when you talk amongst the coaches, you know, everybody's kind of in the you know in the same both same consensus on where things need to go. You know, if you get a room full of coaches, it would be easy. But uh, I don't think it ever goes that way. So uh, hopefully we get this thing right. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get it right, but, you know, I'm optimistic. Hopefully we can get some things going the right direction and we can can fix this thing. I've always been a a proponent of us going back together, and I think we're a six-class state. You know, I think that's where we need to be. We're definitely not a nine-class state. But I think we're a six-class state, and I'd like to see a one through six back together. And uh, I think that would be good for everybody, and uh, it would bring some some rivalries back, some great playoff games, and uh, I think you know it could work. But you, I'm not the guy you got to convince. You know, you got to convince those <laughs> those higher up people that that have more credentials behind their name. I guess so. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping maybe things get back to where they were, but. Like like you said, uh, you know, there's a lot of backdoor meetings and stuff that that I don't know about, and I guess I'll find out in September, uh, you know, what our division's gonna look like and uh, you know what our playoff bracket will look like. But who knows? It's all up in the air right now.
0: <laughs> just think about what you just said there for a 2nd You're gonna find out in the middle of your season what your classification and what your playoff bracket's gonna look like. That. That doesn't sound, like we're not playing Madden here, Coach. We're not playing a video game. Like I feel like this should have all been taken care of already, man. That's crazy to even think about.
9: Yeah, it's kind of weird. You know, I, I figured when you know when the when the when the decision came down and they decided to uh, you know move different schools to the select side that they would have a, a you know a set way that they were going to do things and they would kind of let us know, uh, but. None of this stuff is really going to come out for sure, for certain, until that executive committee meeting in September. Which, like you said, we've, we've already started playing, and we're not really sure what's going to happen in the postseason. So, uh, I know at Thibodeau we're going to be a non-select school. Uh, we don't, we're not a magnet school. We don't draw enrollment from anywhere else. So I know where we're going to fall. Just don't know who's going to fall with us. You know, <laughs> who all is going to be with us on that side and. You know, how many teams are actually going to be in our division? You know, we kind of got an idea of what it's going to look like, but nothing's written in stone yet. So uh, we'll we'll find out in September, I guess.
0: Crazy times, brother. Look, we thank you so much for your time, and we'll chat again soon. Okay, pal? All right, man. Yep, that is Coach Chris Dugas with Thibodeau High School. The <laughs> – how could I say this without screaming into the microphone? The fact that the association is going to make these teams start their seasons and be a week or two into their seasons before telling them how many teams are going to make the playoffs is the dumbest and most ridiculous thing that I have ever heard in 35 years of living with dumb and ridiculous things that the association has done. You are literally making the rules up to your season after the season starts. Why couldn't this meeting be held in mid-August before the season? Or why couldn't we just do what Coach Brian Colley has been screaming to do and just wait and let's not do any of this garbage until January when all of the principals could vote on it? You know, that's how a democracy works. It's not just, all right, let's get our executive committee here behind closed doors. Let's have a little secret meeting. Let's pass some things. And then we'll talk about it in January. No, let all of your member principals vote on it in January. If they want it, it'll pass. If they don't want it, then too damn bad. You have to leave it be. That's the way a working democracy works. We're going to be in week two or three of the regular season in Louisiana high school football, and we're not going to know how many teams are going to be in the playoffs. We're not going to know who's going to be in what brackets. We're not going to be knowing who's going to go where. It's ridiculous. It's a convoluted mess that could have been avoided. You have an annual convention for a reason. Vote on these things annually. We don't need these little back door over the summer private meetings. No, let's handle this in January when everyone is in the room. Oh, goodness, these people are wearing me out. It's play by play on KLEB. We'll have Taylor Griffin after this break. Here on KLEB, we'll be right back after
8: this. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 a.m. and K274DE, 102.7 FM Golden Meadow the french connection the all-new raging cajun 102.7 fm
2: hey mike davis here looking for your next new vehicle come check us out at golden motors price is priority come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in many 2022 silverado trucks and suvs to choose from New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection. Or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. you have a pest control problem,
0: Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies has an experienced staff that can guide you with the products to use yourself for your home or business.
4: Yep, it's that time of year, Blue Boot Rodeo, July 7, 8, and 9 in Grand Isle, Louisiana. This rodeo is to promote water safety and drowning prevention. This year's Fishing Rodeo, we also have adult, kids, kayak, and we added the offshore division. Proceeds from this rodeo go to swimming lessons, life rings on the Grand Isle Beach, scholarships, and bringing awareness to water safety. There will be plenty of food, drinks, activities for the kids and the whole family. That's the Blue Boot Rodeo coming this July 7, 8, and 9th in Grand Isle, Louisiana. Wrestling has
5: more than one royal family.
0: Welcome back to play by play here on Kaylee B. We thank Chris Dugas for his time in the last segment. Woo, we got fired up talking about some LHSAA drama in that segment. If you want to listen to that in the archives, it'll be uploaded a little later today. We go to the phone lines again. We have our broadcast partner, Taylor Griffin with Coastal Broadcasting and also works in his day job over at Dufresne Building Material, which is a proud sponsor of play by play. Taylor, good afternoon, buddy. How are you?
10: Good afternoon, Casey. How's everybody doing today?
0: Good, man. Look, sometimes we get carried away and we talk about all the sports and everything. But before we get into that today, just to make sure that we get it in, you guys' rodeo is coming up. Give us a rundown of what we should expect. I know you guys are awfully excited and are busy planning what's going to end up being a great event.
10: Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so we're going to be at Bridgeside Marina in Grand Isle, Louisiana. Same place as always. It's our seventh annual rodeo. Um, Friday, August 19th, in the afternoon, we'll, we'll kick things off. The scale's open, uh, I want to say, about 3 in the afternoon. We'll close around 8. Um, there's going to be a cornhole tournament that afternoon. Um, registration is in person. There's no pre-registration. Uh, I want to say bags fly at 6, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Saturday is an all-day affair. Um, food, music, family-friendly fun uh there's gonna be middle races for the kids silent auction live auction door prizes everyone who purchases a rodeo ticket uh you're good to fish you're good to eat and you are good f- to be entered into door prizes and it's uh man it's a fun all day affair and uh the two um, the two um benefactors of the uh of the rodeo fundraising efforts are the center and cutoff and the Bridge to Independence at Nichols State University. Two wonderful organizations. I know a lot of people are uh, aware of what they do. You know, the center right here in Cutoff, been around forever, you know, helping those with special needs um, have a more comfortable life and get integrated in society as best they can. And Bridge to Independence is basically the same concept, but uh, it's a it's a it's it's for the college level at Nichols. You know, it, it gives those uh, – those with cognitive disabilities, uh, Down syndrome, um, uh, those on the autism spectrum, it gives them a, uh, a fair shot at a degree and a more uh, integrated learning experience for them, and it helps get them better for life. So, uh, yeah, the Bridge to Independence at Nichols and the Center, those are the two organizations that we'll be helping out with this year's rodeo, uh, August 19th and 20th in Grand Isle.
0: Beautiful, man. That's awesome. Glad to hear it. And I, uh, you know, hope that we could keep the storms away and you all have a wonderful weekend and some great fishing. Let's talk a little bit of sports here in this segment because man, the debate is waging on. I hosted the sports hangover, oh, Friday it was, and I posed the question to the New Orleans audience, which was, hey, if the Pelicans could get Kevin Durant, and you know, by all means they've got draft picks and assets or whatever it may be, should they pursue that relationship? I was expecting 50-50. I was expecting maybe even 60-40 in terms of yes, let's go get him. I got 100 to 0. No one wanted Kevin Durant. Taylor, I think that's crazy. I think he's one of the best players to ever play, and I think that New Orleans who was 36 and 46 last year has room for improvement. What say you if the opportunity comes up and Kevin Durant becomes available? And look, this is all a big if because I don't know that he would even want to play New Orleans to begin with. But if all of those you know, I's are dotted and those T's are crossed and he became available, would you take him in New Orleans?
10: Not just no, but
0: hell no. Oh, man. Y'all all crazy, bro.
10: Hey, don't trust the snake. I, I've got absolutely no interest in Kevin Durant in the city of New Orleans. Now, look, I understand. I agree with you. He is one of the greatest to ever play the game. I just, I do not like His mentality. I do not like his lack of mental toughness. I don't like how he. You just never know what version of him you're gonna get. Uh, He's he's always in his own head. He's letting fans get to his head, and I think we're gonna we're gonna end up investing way too much. And you know, if he decides in two years or three years he's had enough, then you know what? What have we gotten out of that? Besides maybe two or three good seasons with him that yeah we might make a deep playoff run but the i don't i don't think it's it's just it's too high risk because the dude he's always hurt he's always there's always an issue he just cannot be trusted i want nothing to do with that whining crying just sad i i don't I don't want anything to do with Kevin Durant
0: Sorry. Oh, you don't have to apologize to me for that. Uh but you know, where do you think he may end up? uh because you know, I think I and Turtle, I, I truly believe this. I think what's gonna end up happening is you look around the, the NBA landscape when Rudy Gobert is going for five first round picks, I think what you're gonna end up seeing is that there's not gonna be a team that's going to be able to realistically give the Nets what they're going to want for Durant. I think he's gonna have to stay in Brooklyn but do you think that there's a you know situation where he could potentially go somewhere or do you think, you know, kind of what I'm saying is that, you know, they're going to not find an offer that they like and they're going to just run it back.
10: I don't think they're going to run it back. I, I think, I think he'll, they'll, they'll find something. Um, it's just, it's going to be one of those, you, you know, how no, nothing's ever good enough for him. It, it's, it's just going to be one of those crazy, unrealistic blockbuster trades and it's, it, you know he's going to end up in, in some big market team some some one seed from the playoffs some already a title contender that he's just going to try to take to the next level uh that's why I don't think he'd even be interested if he ended up in New Orleans you know the only yeah we we had a decent season and yeah McCollum's good McCollum's great sometimes but you know Durant wants to go somewhere where there's two Zions. Durant wants to go somewhere where there's, you know. He'll he'll try to end up in L.A. or Phoenix or or, I don't know. Just I don't see him. I don't see him going for a place like us, and I don't see. I don't see New Jersey. uh, I'm sorry, New Jersey. Listen to me. I don't see Brooklyn (laughs) uh, giving up on the idea. That they'll they'll figure something out, and Kevin Durant will be in a different color jersey next year. I could just about bet on it. It's he'll be he'll be somewhere, and it'll be some big, you know, blockbuster, you know, earth shattering trade.
0: Okay, so let's play hypothetical here, and I have no information that this is actually the case. This is just Taylor and I talking. For anybody listening, let's say Zion goes to David Griffin and says, "Hey, bro, I want that dude." Would that change your line of thinking, knowing that it would keep the big fella happy?
10: Man, that's a tough one. I just, to me, that further proves and worries me about Zion's youth because he thinks it would be a good idea. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I would not be a fan of it. Uh, I think the Pelicans did fine with what they had last year and with a healthy Zion could have could have been great. You know, maybe they they go get one missing piece somewhere else and, you know, it's a it's a built team effort. I just man, I don't think I don't think Kevin Durant is the answer. Yeah, if Zion said, if, if hypothetically if Zion and Kevin Durant are texting on the side and they're getting together and they doing, you know, private secret summer workouts and things are clicking and they want to team up. I mean, whatever. I, we don't have anything to lose in the short term. Just, I would be, I would be worried about one of those guys gets injured and it's all over. You yeah. And the other guy doesn't want to play. You know, it, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a tough
0: one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. Let's talk some high school, brother. Um, you've been privy to our, you know, conversations about our Mount Rushmore series, which we're going to do every Thursday. I did South Lafouche. I don't know if you're listening. We handed Ron SJ. Bebe Ogeron, Bobby Bear, Clarence Moore, and then I cheated. I gave a fifth one to Treya Bruce. Um, what are your thoughts on those five? And then tomorrow I got Central Lafouche. I think that there are a handful of people that stand out way above the rest. I'm thinking Larry Wilson. I'm thinking Tommy Hodson. Then I've got a couple you know, I've got some legwork to do for some of the rest out there. But my five are Crockett, Bebe, Bobby J, Moore, and uh Treya Bruce. What are your thoughts about that?
10: Um Man, I would have to I would have to go back and do and do some research. I just if we're talking strictly South LaFouche accomplishments, I uh, I would just I would just take Bay off of there and and maybe slide Trey or Bruce in. Uh, I uh, I don't know. It's, it's nothing personal against him. I think he you know, historically and famously, yeah, I mean he's he's the greatest tarpon ever. But I mean that's that's so many after South Lafouche accomplishments that go sure. that go into that into that thought. Um so yeah, uh Crockett, hundred percent agree. Bobby Abear, hundred percent agree. Uh Clarence Moore, hundred percent agree. Uh the last one can be interchangeable. Um I think I'm sliding the bay out of there and I'm either I'm either sliding Trey Bruce in or I'm pulling a page out of what you had said the last time we talked about it and putting, um, putting Scott Busyguard in for, you know, just, you know, one moment could change the landscape of everything. And I don't know anything else about his football career, but he had, you know, a moment that will live on forever, catching the game winning pass. And then, you know, coaching the basketball team, taking a totally different sport, you know, that he shined at and, uh, Coaching them to state finals is, is just, you know, more than one appearance. You know, w- winning one of them. It's, uh, I think, he deserves that spot before before the other two. I, I, I think I think Coach Buzigar gets the fourth spot.
11: Yeah, very
0: good. Um, let's talk about this, man. You know, I, I see every day when I'm passing on the front road. You know, the roof is going up over at LCO, which. I'm told once that roof goes up, then the roof's going up down the Bayou, which means that we're on schedule to potentially have home basketball games. Look, I didn't mind driving to Central last year. It was you know It's whatever. At least we were able to have some semblance of normalcy. But there's no place like home. And I know that the folks down the Bayou are super excited to potentially have home games this upcoming winter. And it means a lot to the kids, right? You know, Coach Collie says he thinks it's a 10-point difference, you know, what, are you, what about you? you? You've coached on that sideline before. And, you know, how big of an impact does that make to your chances when you're playing at home and that place is loud and they're making noise and all that good stuff?
10: Man, he's right. Um, 10 points is hard to argue. It's, it's just one of those things you, you know, some people just have the old school mentality. Oh, we'll, we'll play wherever they want to meet us. We'll play at the park. We'll play here. all oh, bro, we'll play outside. Like, no, like you, you gotta, you just, you just gotta be there to understand. You just, you just, you had to be there to experience it and, and live it and feel the difference. Um, it, It's, it's going to make a world of difference, man. I, I'm super excited about it. I hope everything works out. I think the kids will be, you know, extra pumped, extra motivated. And, yeah, I didn't mind going to Central either. I mean, it it was nothing for me. It's on my way home every day. But uh, playing in the tank, playing in Galliano, playing when, you know, there's a lot of people making that last-minute decision at 6 o'clock on a Friday, like, oh, what y'all want to do tonight? Oh, yeah, we could go. Tarps are playing at home. Let's go. You know, I don't think you get – you know, those type of people fill up the crowd at the last minute, you know, when they're seeing it on Facebook, when they're seeing it on, on Snapchat, or they're just thinking about it, they're seeing it in the newspaper, whatever. That that last-minute fill-in crowd that used to come and fill up the tank, that wasn't happening at Central last year. And just just to have that little difference back is going to be huge.
4: Yeah,
0: no doubt about that. Uh, before we let you go, brother, uh, you know, there's a lot of, let's talk a little bit of wrestling. There's a lot of conversation about Roman Reigns, dude. He's not on the shows anymore. He's kind of doing a part time schedule, and, you know, he's going to be taking on Lesnar at SummerSlam or whatever it may be. I know the plan was to get, you know, Cody to knock him off. Cody's supposed to be out for six to nine months with this injury. Are they going to be able to wait that long or is this situation where Lesnar goes over him here like when are they going to get this dog on belt off of this guy because you know you can't have a, a traveling champion who's not making the towns as they say
10: Yeah that uh man they, they gave him Lesnar's belt and they gave him Lesnar's schedule which you can't you can't have two people with that schedule I'm sorry it just doesn't work um maybe this is it you know maybe uh Maybe this is the time Lesnar gets it at SummerSlam, and then the whole landscape changes again. And you know, it's it's another we don't hear from him until Survivor Series. Maybe this, you know, the WWE loves to toy with its fans. It, they they love to toy with everyone's emotions. Maybe they want to see that reaction. He goes away for SummerSlam and doesn't come back till November for the Survivor Series, as he disrupts whoever's you know post match. Uh, Post main event celebrating, and he interrupts just to make an appearance, and you know, challenge them to whatever at, at Royal Rumble or challenge them for WrestleMania. I mean, that's I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. We can't put anything past them at this point, and maybe they're looking for that babyface reaction, like they're just happy to see him back. So. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and make the bold prediction. Uh, The title swings at SummerSlam, and we don't see Reigns until Survivor Series, just to see how everyone reacts.
0: Very, very interesting. Look, brother, we thank you so much for the time. We'll chat again next week, and hope you have a great rest of the day, pal.
10: Hey, man, thanks so much. I enjoyed it, as always. We'll we'll talk next week, and uh, go Tarps, and God bless America.
0: Yes, sir. That is Taylor Griffin doing a good job. As always, love chatting with him, getting the rundown of all the latest and greatest. In the world of sports, uh, we could talk with, you know, I could have talked an hour about NBA with Taylor. He's got different perspectives, and we love to see what they all are. Let's catch a break when we get back. We've got our mailbag segment here on Play by Play. We'll be right back answering your questions out of this break on KLEB.
8: The music on the bayou, the all new Ragin'
6: Cajun 102.7 FM. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with. Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional, serving LaFouche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins, Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano.
7: Friend Building Materials is inviting you to our 7th Annual Fishing Rodeo, Friday, August 19th, and Saturday, August 20th, in the same spot as always, Bridgeside Marina in Grand Isle. Scales will open Friday with a cornhole tournament at 6 p.m. Saturday's festivities include minnow races for the kids, auctions, door prizes, and more, and we'll have gator coolers for 1st, 2nd, and 3rd place in each category. This year's benefactors are the Center in Cutoff and Bridge to Independence at Nickel State University. Check out our Facebook page for more details. See y'all there.
5: Guaranteed.
0: Welcome back to play-by-play here on KLEB. Casey Gisclair here joining you. We've got about 20 more minutes to spend. About, oh, 12 of those 20 minutes we'll spend answering your questions here in our mailbag. If you have a question for me, I am at Casey underscore JustGlair on Twitter. We're at KLEB Radio on Twitter. Uh, You could message me on Facebook. Casey JustGlair is the name. Um, If you got my number, text me, email me, JustGlairCasey at gmail.com. Find a way to get your question to me. And I will be happy to get an answer. Our first question today comes from a listener who wants to know, same thing that Taylor and I talked about. So I've already answered this, but I'll answer it again. Casey, where will Kevin Durant end up should the Pelicans get involved in the sweepstakes? Um, as to where I think he's going to end up, I think he's going to end up in Brooklyn. I talked about this with Taylor. I don't think that they're going to be able to find an offer that's going to meet what they want. They want five, six, seven draft picks, an all star, you know, a young role play. Like they, they want, an unrealistic haul. And I don't think that they're going to budge on that because you can't watch Rudy Gobert go for five first-round picks, which was a ridiculous offer for a guy who doesn't impact your ability to win the championship one iota. Um, So you can't watch Rudy Gobert go for five first-round picks, then turn around and trade Kevin Durant for five or six. This Kevin Durant is exponentially better than Rudy Gobert. So then it becomes a situation of, okay, um, who's got the draft assets and the draft capital to meet those demands? The Pelicans do. Does he want to play there? Probably not. Does Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma City does. Does he want to go back there? Definitely not. So the teams with enough draft picks to scratch the itch are all places that he wouldn't want to go anyway. So I think they're going to learn quickly. The Phoenix offer is not going to suffice or be sufficient to what they want. The Miami offer is not, certainly not going to appease what they want. Miami doesn't have any pieces. You know, who's, who's at least Phoenix, they could in theory maybe offer Devin Booker for Durant with picks or whatever it may be. And you could at least see a world where that's a possibility. The Miami, like, are you offering Bam out of IO for real? Like, come on now. Let's, let's be serious. Now to the second part of the question, shouldn't New Orleans want him? Yes. Yes. I disagree with a lot of the fans and a lot of the folks in the city. I disagree with Taylor. Yes, you should want Kevin Durant. The Pelicans, here's the thing about the Pelicans, man. We have become so poisoned by their ineptitude that we really have overreacted to last season and what last season was. There's this conception that the Pelicans, because they went toe-to-toe with the Suns last year, Where this juggernaut that was just, you know, an inch or two away from really breaking out. They were 36 and 46. They finished the year 10 games below 500, and I get it. Zion will be coming back. That'll probably flip those two numbers around. Like So instead of being 36 and 46, you'll be 46 and 36 next year. Probably, right? Maybe even a little better. Maybe even 48 and 34, whatever it may be. That's not good enough to win it all. Last year, I'll give you Zion for the Sun series if you give me Devin Booker for the whole series because last year we also were fooled into thinking that the Pelicans were better than they were because Devin Booker got injured. That's a really short series if Booker plays the whole series and doesn't get injured. That's a five-game series if Booker doesn't have his injury issues. I'll give you Zion for New Orleans. You give me Booker on the Phoenix side. Let's play it back seven-game series. The Suns beat you in five or six. And guess what? The Warriors beat you too. And guess what? The Grizzlies probably beat you too. So you still have a lot of room for improvement. And anytime you could add a player the stature of Kevin Durant, you do it if it's a possibility because guess what? Two seasons ago, In the playoffs, Kevin Durant played some of the best basketball that we have ever seen played in the entire history of the NBA against the Bucs, a series that they did end up losing. In Game 5, he was 16 of 23 from the field, 49 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists. In Game 7, he scored 48 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists on 17 of 36 shooting. There's not a damn player on the Pelicans roster who could do that in a playoff game. Not Brandon Ingram, not Zion, not C.J. McCollum, not Jose Alvarado, not Graham, not uh, Herb Jones. None of those guys is, are capable of getting 49 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists on 70% shooting in a playoff game. Not a damn one of them. So if he becomes available to you, and again, I understand that it's a big if. You, know, you got to clarify and figure out, does he want to be here? And if the answer is no, then it's all moot point. But if he becomes realistically available, absolutely, positively, yes, you should want to bring him in. Question two comes from a listener who wants to know, Casey, who would you most want to see in the home run derby? There are a lot of dudes, really. I mean, the baseball has become such a proficient home run hitting sport. But I'll cheat. I'll go with the, the easy one. And it's a guy we've already seen. I want to see Otani again. There are not very many things more exciting in the sport than watching Otani hit baseballs 500 feet. He's capable of doing it every time he swings the bat in a game, much less in batting practice. So, you know, Otani, Judge, um, Mike Trout is all. I mean, Mike Trout's a cheat code. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, I don't think he's as good of a player as some of these other guys, but Pete Alonzo um, is always a treat to watch take BP. So guys like that. Next question, Casey, it was a big recruiting weekend for LSU. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are the same as I've said throughout the whole offseason. I hope everybody's enjoyed beating LSU the last couple of seasons because the days of that happening consistently are about to to quit. The Tigers are about to be really, really good. They're building a core group. and a, 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 They're getting position depth at the best positions in the SEC to have depth. They're getting commitments from defensive linemen. They're going to rebuild that offensive line. Because Brian Kelly knows this. In Louisiana, he's always going to have athletes. He's going to always be able to go get a receiver. He's going to always be able to go and get a tight end or a running back. You've got to stand out up front at the line of scrimmage. The best LSU teams are the teams that are dominant up front. The 2003 LSU National Championship team swallowed Oklahoma whole in the championship game in the Dome because by the time Jason White even got the snap, the LSU defensive line was in his face, ready to tear his head off. If you're proficient in the SEC up front, you could do great things. And Brian Kelly recognizes that and he's building that up right now in a big way. Question four comes from a listener who asks, Casey, who is the best wrestler in the world right now? Ooh, that's a good one. For years, I would have said A.J. Styles. Um, but A.J. Styles is kind of slowing up a little bit. You know, he's getting a little bit older. Um, Hell, you know, for years before that, it would have been Chris Jericho, right? He's terrific. He could get anything over. I don't, I mean, I think the answer's Cody, but he's not active, so I don't want to say someone who's injured. I'll... You guys are going to hate me for this. I'm going to say Roman Reigns, man. In terms of just being a pure worker, it's not Roman Reigns. You could go find me some Joe Blow from AEW They could work a 35-star match, and have a million false finishes. You could find me somebody that could do that in AEW. They're a dime a dozen over there. But part of being an effective professional wrestler is evoking emotion. It's easy to not like Roman Reigns. And now, because he's so widely not liked, he's becoming liked. You know, the whole, oh, acknowledge me thing, like, that's over as hell. People are standing up, and they're wanting to do that. So he has gotten so good at being hated That it's making people not hate him anymore. And I think that psychology and that ability to evoke emotion, and he's got Heyman on his side, which helps. I think it's got to be him. I think he's the best character. Not the best wrestler in the world. He's the best character in the world right now. Casey, I got an early fantasy draft this year. It's in a couple weeks. Who should I take number one overall? Jonathan Taylor. Um, I could elaborate into the reasons why, but we're short against time. Jonathan Taylor, he had 1,800 yards rushing last year. No one else even had 1,300 yards rushing. He's going to get the ball to him this coming year again, Jonathan Taylor. Last question, Casey, how many wins do you think the Saints are, getting the, are going to get in the upcoming year? Um, eight to ten. I think they'll have a great roster. I don't think they have a great quarterback, and their schedule is brutally tough, so I'll go eight to ten. Um, not eight and ten, <laughs> uh, because I know that that's not you know a possibility. I think they'll win eight to ten games, so maybe ten and seven, maybe eight and nine, maybe nine and eight, somewhere in that range. Let's catch a break on play-by-play when we get back. I'll get you three betting picks. We'll thank our sponsors, then we'll get out of here on KLEB. We'll be right back after this.
8: You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.
11: Today's Medical Minute is provided to you by Thibodeau Regional Medical Center. Hello, I'm Billy Nakan, the director of the Spine Center of Excellence at Thibodeau Regional. Have you had a recent neck or back injury? Or have you been suffering with recurrent neck and back pain? Have you been searching for relief? Thibodeau Regional has developed a unique approach to treating neck and back disorders. The Spine Center of Excellence provides a comprehensive, patient-centered approach to ensure that you receive the right care at the right time from the right provider. The Spine Center is different because it offers centralized access to multiple specialties and services. Patients and their referring physicians are led by a nurse navigator through a process of assessment and treatment individually tailored to the patient's unique condition. In addition to total care coordination, the Spine Center's comprehensive services include everything from high-tech diagnostic imaging to physical therapy, surgery, alternative medicines, and chronic pain services. If you're experiencing back or neck pain, call today. 985-493-4501. The Spine Center of Excellence of Thibodeau Regional will put you on the path back to your normal routine. This Medical Minute was sponsored by Thibodeau Regional Medical Center, nationally recognized for providing the highest level of quality care and patient satisfaction.
8: Your life is mobile, so is your bank. As a State Bank and Trust Company account holder, you can check your balances, view transactions, transfer funds, and pay bills anywhere or anytime with State Bank and Trust Company's online banking or mobility app. Call or stop by any State Bank and Trust location for all the details. State Bank and Trust Company, Cajun Banking, served just the way you like it. Member FDIC. I want to tell
7: you a secret everyone should know.
11: Are you listening? When it comes to your body,
7: the greatest gift you can give yourself is knowing your HIV status.
11: Knowing your status allows you to live your life and stay healthy. So follow my lead. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And make HIV testing a part of your routine. It's
7: fast, free, and confidential.
11: Get tested today. You'll be glad you did. Visit cdc.gov forward slash
2: doing it.
1: I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs to.
7: Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station.
3: I'm like the water when you sip.
0: Welcome back to play-by-play. Play. we got just a couple of minutes. Let's thank our sponsors, and really quickly, we'll get our betting picks to you all. Let's thank the Blue Boot Rodeo. Begins tomorrow, runs through Saturday at the Grand Grandown Marina, located at 158 Sand Dollar Court at the Tarpon Pavilion. Southland Dodge and Homa. Industrial power systems for all your engine and generator needs because power is our middle name. New friend building materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz off. The only all-natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. How about Golden Motors, where price is priority, proudly supporting South LaFouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations? Reminder, join us on Saturdays at 10 o'clock for the Sports Corner, presented by Terrebonne General Health System with Stan Grava and myself for the latest in local high school, college, and professional sports from your local sports experts, sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company. Let's get you three betting picks, and then we'll get out of Dodge on this Wednesday. I hope everybody's enjoying their hump day it is soggy. Be safe on those wet roads, man. I've been getting too many you know, text messages and calls about accidents on the roads and whatever it may be, road closures because of accidents. Y'all be careful out there. Today I like the Angels to get a win covering the run line against the Miami Marlins. Otani's on the mound pitching in a big park out in Miami. I don't know how many, if any, runs he's going to give up. And the Angels on the opposite side of that are going to be facing Trevor Rodgers, who has a 5.56 ERA, and Trevor Rodgers hasn't even been that good at home. He's got an 8.39 ERA at home. So I like the combination of Otani not giving up anything, facing Rodgers, who I think is going to give up a lot. Give me the Angels. The Angels are a mess. They're 37-45 and overall, but today and in all days that Otani's pitching, they're a different club. I like them to get the win covering the run line today. I also like the Yankees to win and cover the run line today against the Pirates. The Yankees got, um, I don't know how I could say this, Uh, they got their butts kicked last night against Pittsburgh, Um, and that doesn't usually happen two days in a row to the Bombers. The Bombers are coming off of two straight losses against Cleveland, or, or with Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So in the last two games, they've scored two runs. That's not like this Yankee offense. Today they're throwing... Throwing Luis Severino, who I think is going to be solid as he's been all year long. And I look for the the New York offense to start you know, swinging it again against Mitch Keller. He's got a 5.14 ERA. I think the Yankees are going to take care of business, put it on the Pirates pretty good, and get a win on the road, a decisive win on the road, and take a little bit of momentum back there in that series. One more I like the Astros to win and cover the run line. I'm taking all run lines today. I like the Astros to win and cover the run line against the Royals. Um, Christian Javier has been excellent for Houston. He's got a 2.5 ADRA. He has been throwing gems. And on the flip side to that, uh, Brad Keller for the Royals has been okay, but I think that the Houston offense, which has been hot coming in, their last five games they've scored eight, nine, four, seven, and 9. So, you do that math. They score five, six runs every game. It puts a lot of pressure on your offense to try to match them and I think that um, those combinations there are going to allow the Astros to get the win and protect their home field. Thanks to Aaron Babin for the time. Thanks to Chris Duga for the time. Thanks, thanks to Taylor Griffin for the time. We've had a wonderful show today and more important than the time of our coaches is the time of you all. We thank you all for listening. Um, our listenership is growing. We are getting closer and closer and closer to the reasons why we formed this show. We came up with the idea for this show last December as a means to heavily promote high school athletics in our area. We missed all of the football season last year. Guess what? We ain't missing the football season this year. Cannot wait to cover it head to toe here on Play by Play with the fall coming just right around the corner Tomorrow, I'm going to get you your Central Lafouche Mount Rushmore. We're going to have some more coaches on around that, and we're going to have a great show. This is Casey just wrapping up. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. May God bless you all. Stay safe. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time. You've been listening to Play by Play on KLEB. Have a great day, everybody.